In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin. And this is episode number 126, Closing Time. This is from the 90s band Semisonic. Semisonic. This is again part of our One Hit Wonders themed fall. They, mm-hmm. And this came out in 1998 and nary a song did come out from Semisonic after that. No. That I know of. No. What happened? Uh, I don't know. What I mean, happened? they, they peaked. This was, a, this was huge. It was huge. Yeah, they peaked with this one, and then they were like, "Well, it's closing time for us because we have nothing else we in got the can. Nothing else. We got to nothing do. else in the can. Dang it! So yeah, I chose this because I like the idea of talking about endings. Yes, you know, because this is all about the end of the night, end of the, the end night. of the the party at the bar, mm-hmm. and now it's closing time, and now you got to find your person and get the hell out. Get going. Yeah. Do you remember when you first heard the song, and what'd you think? Um, I do, because okay. this was picked as our high school graduation song. Oh. Uh-huh. Like every class. I was okay. trying to remember okay. the details around this, because as soon as you suggested it, it brought it right back. Wow. And there was um, like the song that they played at graduation, and the class got to pick it. And I don't remember how it came up or if there was a vote. I don't. None of that is clear to me. But I remember hearing it the first time and thinking, really? That's what we're going to do? <laughs> we're talking about... But then, now looking back, I graduated in a class of 53 people. Oh, okay. So a CD, I'm leaving a bar at 2 a.m., I'm done with you, I've spent too much time with you, I want this to be over type song was actually perfect. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Yeah. it it tracked, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. That's a great juxtaposition, you're right. Yeah. And it would only work for a small class like that, where you are sick to death of one another. Yeah. Cannot... Lay eyes on them one more Not time. Not one more time. Have you ever laid eyes on anyone since high school? Yeah, I mean, okay. a few people. I mean, of course, you got the weird Facebook thing where you uh, sure, sure, like, sure. you're yeah. friends with a bunch of people. I mean, like, eyes I barely on eyes talk to you. In, in, you know, in yeah. person. Yeah. A few that okay. I, you know, would care to, mm-hmm. you know, like there's a few that you're like, yeah, I have fond memories. Mm. But for the most part, I'm good. Wow. What a nice and sort of, you know, sanitized version of Closing Time. Because yeah. I remember when it came out, I was in college uh-huh. and it was always played at Closing Time yeah. at the bars yeah. in Iowa City. Mm-hmm. And so you would stumble out into the ped mall, drunk off your behind, yeah. go find a euro or go find a dude to make out with and boom, boom, Closing Time. See, and see for me, because it has that memory, then when I went to college and yeah. they played it at bars, yeah, that's it gotta would be, be different. Like, it yeah. was jarring. That's very jarring. Like, what? I'm uh-huh. kind high school what no mm-hmm. like it was very it's something else but now every time i hear it i always think of high school graduation walking mm-hmm. out of the gym to closing time 
it is also interesting to think about because you, you said like thinking about it now and thinking about like closing time at like a CD bar compared yeah. to high school. And I think it's over time the image has changed for me because it was like, you know, college yeah. time peak. Yay. Yeah. Then you move to Chicago. You're getting a little older and it's getting seedier. It's yeah. getting dirtier. Yeah. It's getting like a little more desperate closing time. Yeah. And then, yeah, after a while, you're like, good Lord. I'm if in I bed see closing, closing time, time. That's a problem. I, I have a serious problem. Serious now problem. Now that the age I'm at, if I'm at a bar and it's closing time, God. something either went terribly wrong that day. Yeah. Or I, I have a problem that I need help with. Can I also tell you, when I moved to Chicago, I found out most of the bars closed at four or five. Whoa. And I was ecstatic. That was horrifying to me. My immediate response was horrified. Well, again, this was when I was 23, 24. Now at 45, good God. What would be the reason? I'm almost waking up at that time. Yes. That is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm thinking about some toast. What are you talking Mm. about? Pouring some more down this gullet. But hey, I took advantage in my youth. Good for you. And it was delightful. Yeah. It probably did some damage on my internal organs. But, you know. Hey, they say it can repair itself. So... (laughs) I mean, I choose science. I choose to believe science. I like that. I'm like a self-repairing robot yeah. inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I choose to believe scientists. Great. That's, That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't it great that we have to say that out loud? I have sort in of 2022. adopted it as a thing that I use I in all situations. science. Yeah, but I kind of use it as like a band-aid for everything. Oh yeah, like uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And someone asks for your opinion. I believe in science. You've really said nothing. You have said nothing. At the same time, you've said a everything. Lot. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because it's hard to argue with. What do you mean you believe in science? Yeah. I believe in cells. I believe in organisms. <laughs> I believe in, you know, anatomy. Gravity, the way the body works. Planets. Like, simple things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you went body and I went space for some reason. But, uh, but you know, there we it go. It includes everything. There we that's go. That's what I'm saying. Yes. It's the perfect thing. It's the perfect thing. That's a great conversation stopper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talking about stopping conversations yeah. and or endings. Yeah. Do you remember an ending that brought you relief instead of sadness? Every single breakup. <laughs> <laughs> because for some reason, I'm always the one breaking up. And I'm always the one that's leaving. And I'm always beyond ready to do uh-huh, so. But okay. for some reason, I have stayed. Uh-huh. And that could be inertia. Okay. That could be because inertia. I'm being... Yeah. Could be, you know, for more nefarious things like manipulation. Uh-huh. It could also be just I've been talking myself into this relationship and I didn't need to be uh-huh. for a long time. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so, my goodness, when I decide, oh, it's done, it's time. Mm-hmm. And once I do that, mm-hmm. it is like I weigh five pounds and I'm floating up into the heavens. Yeah. And I can fly. I can fly, damn it. I'm going to reveal something to you now Ooh. that I don't know if I've told you before. Ooh, let's hear it. But I have often frequently thought that you would be an amazing Supreme Court judge. Uh, oh. And not because you're a lawyer, have any I was legal say, experience. say no legal background. But I don't think you need it. Here's okay. why. Okay. I think that I, what I know about you to be facts are that before you make a decision, it is going to be thoroughly researched <laughs> and thought out in a way that most people don't do even for the biggest decisions in their lives. Uh-huh, uh-huh. To the point where I know that once you get there, your mind's made up, it's good, you got you got it, you feel confident about it, and you move forward. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's more of what we need is like mm-hmm. factual-based, I'm moving forward. <laughs> I promise you I've done the research and thought it through. And it's been months of painful research and soul searching. And suddenly that switch goes on and, oh, Mm -hmm. I got it. Boom. I'm out. Which is also why our other business of being a breakup would be amazing. Because I think that you're probably really good at it. Because I think once you get there, you're like, no, this is it. And if it's someone else, I don't have to go through those four months of painful like soul searching and figuring out and trying to guilt myself into staying into a relationship. Right. With someone else, I'll be like, oh, honey. It's yeah, time. It's time. And I will do it for you. Uh-huh. It'll be my pleasure. It'll be my pleasure. Let me do it this for you. It will be my pleasure. Let me give you this closing time. And I know I'm ride or die, and this might be a controversial statement okay. for some people, but I feel confident in knowing and saying to Amy's past relationships <laughs> that it was definitely you. Because <laughs> if she got to the point that she broke up with you, it was you. Because if she thought for one second it was her, she would still be working on herself to make sure <laughs> that she was giving it the best effort. Yeah. So yeah. if you are no longer in contact with Amy, it is you. <laughs> it is 100% you. Just sit with that. 
this time of year can be good for reflection. You uh-huh, might want to uh-huh. do some of that. It feels very directed. And but I I'm like it. Just saying. Yeah. It was you. It's a very good point because I will blame myself for a long time mm-hmm. and then suddenly something mm-hmm. will shift. Mm-hmm. The clouds will part mm-hmm. and I'll realize, oh, no, 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 no. It's them. Yeah. Oh, no, no. It's him or no. her. No. It's that this person. Is, this is what it is. Yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you can see that. Yeah. I'm just saying. <sighs> that was very self-affirming. Thank you. Good. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad. It should yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. Thinking about endings. Uh-huh. We have talked multiple times on the podcast. Oh, yes. In our daily text exchanges. Yes about what happens when you finish a book that you've really enjoyed. We have termed it a book hole. Yes. It can also be applied to shows. Yes. When you have finished something that was so effing great, Mm -hmm. and now you don't know how to transition away from that ending. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to start something new. Mm -hmm. What's the process like for you? Well, you know what? I This might be too drastic, but I liken it to a death. Because there's, mm. there's like a grieving process. Like that was yeah. so great. And it's not every book, to be clear. Like oh, yeah. it is certain books that you just feel a real connection with. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to find anything again to read ever. Because nothing can compare, right? Because that's our like natural inclination is to compare it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a show. You get done and you're like, you almost have to do something totally different. Like yes. a palate cleanser. Yeah. Like because otherwise it's too much. But what I find for me in the book world that helps that I've started to try and do when I feel a book hole. Because my initial reaction for a lot of years was just like, I don't read for like two weeks because <laughs> I just need time. Just quit. I just quit it all. And I daydream about the characters oh. and I research the author and see if they're writing another book and uh-huh. when it's coming out mm-hmm. or if there's a backlist or whatever. There, there's all So you go processes. obsession and quitting. I go obsession. That's what my go-to I'm never going to gonna read again. Never yeah. going to read again. It's over for me. Yeah. I peaked. I'm done. <laughs> Um, this is, I am the high school jock. I'm yep. never coming back. It's bad. Okay? I've lived my life. I've lived my life. It's done. It's, done. it's over. Nothing's ever going to compare. That used to be my thought. Sure. Now what I do is I do other book related things. Like I call my TBR pile. Like I go through it again and say, okay, am yeah. I going to read this? Am I not? I organize my books. For some reason, reorganizing them or like putting oh, them in different brilliant. categories yeah. or even just the ones like by my bed or like I have a favorite shelf I'll move them around or I'll you know whatever something like that I always have books that are out of place so then I take the time to put them back something about just being around it like makes it okay it's like immersion therapy Ooh. like okay I can oh I forgot I had that book yeah. or like oh I forgot I wanted to read that book and something will spark and say Oh, that, yeah. This is what it's time to read now. Yeah. That's so cool. And just sort of surrounding yourself with books yeah. to remind you that there are other good ones. Yeah. That there have been so many. I do another, like, when I'm reading articles, like, I'll come across lists, you know, like, top crime novels of 2022 yeah. or something. You see lists all the time, right? Yeah. I screenshot a lot of the books, and I don't often take the time to go back and put those on my TBR. Oh. But those are times that I do. Because I'm like, oh, then it makes you read the description. Do I really want to put this on there? And so you kind of go through that process again. It gets you excited. And you're like, oh, oh wait, I ordered that book. I have it. Like, I should start that one. This is brilliant. It's tricking myself is really what it is. And it seems like it works. It does. It does. And it's better than quitting and just saying, I'm never reading again. Right. It's better than my first instinct, yeah. which is to throw everything and run away. <laughs> yeah. Yep. What about you? Uh, my instinct is anger. Okay. Because <laughs> that just sort of angry that this new book that I've picked is not that other book. Yeah. That like, yeah. how dare you not be that book that I just yes. loved? Yeah. How dare you? How dare you come in here with your <laughs> different cover and other words? Same thing with like another show or a movie or yeah. something. It's like, it's just, it's not going to be, it's not gonna be the what same. I just finished. Yeah. It's not going to be what I love. So I just, yeah, just irrationally angry. But maybe that's part of the grief too. It it's is. one of it's the stages grief. of grief. It is. It is. But I think one thing that I do try to do more practically is if I've just finished a novel I really love, the next thing I'm going to read is going to be another genre pick. Right. It's going to be nonfiction. It's going to be a graphic novel. It's going to be sure. something different enough in form to sort of jog my brain to get into a different because yes. if I start another novel right away and You're I just compare I still do this mistake all the time I finished a book on Monday that I really loved and then started another novel right away and was just furious yeah just it's furious and, and then I started like four like more book exactly time exactly but, mm-hmm. yeah and you started four more I started like said? four more in quick succession and each one. It's not the one. It's not that <laughs> You're book. You're not it. <laughs> You're not it. Oh. So, yeah. So I didn't follow my own advice. But now I have. I've started, by the way, a memoir mm. that compares or that sort of tracks her personal life with Dolly Parton songs. Wait, what? Yeah. 
Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's Dolly Parton. It's going to get me out of my it's book gonna hole. Get you it's going to get hole. me out of my book hole. It's going to get you out of your book hole. And spoiler alert, are. it's probably going to appear in a future Brides and Books episode because I'm liking it. That brings me to a side note. Oh. Unrelated to the okay. podcast. All right. Jeff Bezos, I see you. Oh. Okay, I see you. Ooh. You gave Dolly Parton money because you know that she's a likable figure who's going to oh, do really yeah, good yeah, things yeah, yeah, with yeah, that yeah. award. So it'll clean up your money. That's what I don't like uh-huh. about it. You're using Dolly Parton. You're trying to ride her beautiful sequin coattails. Yeah. And I'm pissed about it, Jeff Bezos. Because mm. your angry face and your dick rocket do not <laughs> belong anywhere near that How American treasure. How dare you try to besmirch yes. our national icon, Dolly Parton. Just, and you know what? Fine. Yes, she's going to do good things with the money, but yeah. I don't like. I, you're nefarious. And it I does don't feel like a little it. like money laundering. Yeah. 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 It feels like you're trying to get some goodwill off her. Yeah. Which you're absolutely right. It yeah. is gross. Yeah. You're being gross. You're being gross. Stop it. Stop doing. He's that. not going to stop being gross. Stop doing. You know who it. else is not going to stop being gross? Elon Musk. Yeah. Oh. I got to say, I have had in my book hole this month or this week, I've taken such an extreme joy. Yes. In just his complete. And utter failures as a leader at Twitter. So it's bad. It's been wonderful. And part of it is we've we've said goodbye to Twitter. I am out. Yes. I don't care anymore. No. no. So no, like you know, yeah. stake in the game yeah, anymore. Sorry, listeners, if you're looking for us on Twitter, as soon as Elon Musk bought <laughs> we it, we said out. peace. I don't want yeah. any part of that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it's just like sitting back and watching. Like, oh, this is the worst kind of. This train is wreck. terrible. You are a terrible leader. You're awful at your job. And this is going to just collapse on you. And I love that it's going to make you look like an asshole. What I love about it is it's such a great, shining, beautiful example of hubris. It really is. It's just such a cautionary tale that we're watching pay off. Like, you're really good at this one thing. And you thought that somehow your power and money was all consuming. And I'll, I'll tell you what. It started when you thought you could do SNL. You should have known when the best they had for you was Mario that it wasn't great and you probably should have taken stock. But instead, what you did was double down and say, I'm going to spend all my money. I'm going to buy Twitter. Everyone's Mm going to be pumped. Mm -hmm. You just didn't anticipate that no one was going to be excited. No one's going to be pumped. No one's excited. No one. Yeah, and you also cannot laugh at yourself at all. No. Because when you opened it up and said, yay, comedy again, and then everyone took you on your word and started making fun of you and, you know, parroting and everything, he could not handle it. No. He's that guy that cannot handle being the butt of a joke. But loves to make them. You know he makes them at people's expense all the time. I also love that it's like watching like a a bad like everybody went to school with one of these people oh. it's like watching someone melt down on a playground like you will <laughs> sign a sheet that you will work for 200 years with no pay or you're fired you're like what what are you talking about you can't just publicize you that just playing foursquare what yeah, are you doing what are you doing like you can't say that publicly but yeah. no he's like doing it yeah he's doing and he's it. like anybody that has any engineering ability everybody quit i need someone you don't put that out there no you don't put that out there but and i feel did. very bad for all the twitter employees but at the same time it feels like they're like oh i am dodging a bullet yeah. getting out of here yeah. and maybe some severance awesome yeah i think that that's all kind of where they're at is just like see ya yeah like sorry about this we'll go develop something else yeah 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 they're not dumb no. so oh just love to see a billionaire brought low a little bit it is fun it you know, might be you know elon musk i, yeah. I hate to I hate to bring up another person who was a billionaire and then real quick wasn't but mm. it sort of feels like is the is 2020 the end of 2022 gonna be the end of of billionaires like you're all just doing stupid things jeff bezos you you put mm-hmm. too much money mm-hmm. into rockets and now you're saying that your Dick company rockets. is not doing well yeah you know you got kanye west who literally was a billionaire and the oh, next boy. day he wasn't oh boy yeah we got yeah. elon musk same deal uh-huh. same deal you we spent 44 billion dollars that just yeah, collapsed guy yeah just collapsed like billionaires just losing it left and right that's pretty that's pretty fun to watch. Yeah. I mean Is that's that mean to say. No. Good. I think it's exactly what we needed exactly at the end of twenty twenty two. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a hard couple yeah. of years. We need some billionaires yes. to flame out. I need to watch you fall from your golden perch and hit every stair on the way yeah. down. Yeah. And meanwhile, Jeff Bezos' ex still has a lot of money and is using it right. He is doing well. Yes. And also Jeff Bezos put out this like su- warning about the economy and how bad it's going to be and if you don't have you shouldn't be buying things right now like refrigerators and car he said listed everything that amazon doesn't sell he never once said something that was like you could buy on amazon he said things like refrigerators cars and whatever no you should what what 
You are gross and your intentions are showing, sir. You're bad at this. You're bad. So bad. You're bad. Oh, that was cathartic. It was cathartic. To talk about Sorry, that a little I, bit. I know that took us down a rabbit hole of Jeff Bezos. Yeah, but, but it's I always just... fun to just to glory in when hubris is brought low. Yes. It's everything that I wanted it to be. Because yeah. also I feel like Elon Musk thinks that he's attractive. Yes. He does, right? Yeah. He thinks he's like Tom Cruise. Yeah. He thinks that. Yeah. And like I, Tom Cruise circa 1986. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's not. It's not true. It feels more we like believe a in science. stand-in in the Goonies. <laughs> Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's yeah, fair. That's fair to say. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I will give him one thing. Hmm. I think he's more Mario than Chris Pratt. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But my, well, those standards aren't very high. No. Yeah. No. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a parent who's going to have to see that movie, I'm angry at you, oh, Nintendo. No. I'm angry at you, but I'll, I'll. It's fine. I forget that you have to day. be subjected to these, <laughs> and uh, you're going to have some. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll have to report back on how it went. Sure will. And mm-hmm. you know, if sure you will. still feel like loving anyone in the world after that. Not sure. Not yeah, sure. Probably not going to. Yeah. That's yeah. fine, though. Yeah. See, Mason will get great joy out of it. Oh, I good. mean, they announced a Garfield movie. It's not until 2024, and I, I, don't, I don't know if a week goes by. He doesn't <laughs> ask how much closer we are to it. So also with Chris Pratt. I love that no matter how many billionaires flame out, we still have Mason and his enduring love of cats. So much cats. It is. It's several years now. Yeah, that he's been talking and loving mm-hmm. and wanting cat paraphernalia for everything. For everything. 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 It's yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. At least yeah. we have that. Yeah. At least we still have Mason's cat love. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we also have? Books! <laughs> that will get you out of a book hole. Yeah, actually they will. Because mm-hmm. like my fiction pick is, it's going to get you out of a book hole. Okay. It's called Killers of a Certain Age. By Deanna Rayborn, and it came out this year. And I've you got have three, said this was amazing. Three words for you: old women assassins. I'm in. It's gonna cure your book hole. <laughs> that sounded really weird. It made it sound like a STD. <laughs> it's gonna cure your book hole. We know we're getting rid of Planned Parenthood, and you can't do that anymore. But we'll do it This'll for you. This will cure it. Yep. Cure it right This'll up. Cure that It'll infection right up. Right up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so we got four women: Billy, Mary Alice, Helen, and Natalie, and they were recruited in the late 1970s into a clandestine organization called the Museum. Hmm. And the organization was originally formed to hunt and kill Nazis who had escaped after World War II. Okay, okay. And then over time, you know, the Nazis died out or they killed them. So it sort of morphed to other bad, bad dudes. Uh So these women, they've spent their lives as the best of the best. And now they're in their 60s. And they're still taking jobs, but less and less because more and more the younger assassins are all about tech and data whereas they really got into people skills you know and and trying to do sort of the groundwork uh to be able to do their job so it's a natural time for retirement and the organization the museum gives them an all expenses paid super luxurious cruise to mark their retirement okay which also sounds gross by the way but still yeah not what i want but all right except on the cruise someone from the museum tries to kill them Oh, no. It was a setup? It was a setup. Yeah. And so these women, they escape because they're badasses. Of course. And then they're on the run. And they have to figure out who's trying to kill them, who they can trust, and who they may have to kill to get out of this situation. Oh. And thankfully, they were trained very well. So they are ready for this. I love it. And they work together like experts because they are. So now it's time for old women who are continually ignored and seen as harmless to protect themselves, and to take down this organization. I love it. So I chose it for this theme because there's the end of their career, uh-huh. their retirement, right? Which turns out to be not the end. Right. Um, but there's also this idea of endings. Like past a certain age, women are considered useless, right? Mm-hmm. Like they might as well just die because they're at the end of any yep. sort of use that society yeah. has for yep. them. They're it's over. over. Yep. And this is one of those wonderful books that shows that they're not. Right. And so it's fun. It's gratifying. I think it's perfect for a movie and I've already cast the movie. Ooh, who's Here's in it? Who's cast. in it? Oh okay. my God, you're going to be great at this. I love it so much. <laughs> it's going to be Meryl Streep. Okay. It's going to be Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay. It's going to be Angela Bassett. Uh-huh. And Michelle Yeoh. <gasps> These are what all women cast. in their 60s or over. 
That's perfect. And also, I would love to see Meryl Streep as an assassin. Uh, that would be amazing. Wouldn't it be awesome? This is a great. This would be a great this movie. Is a great. So listen, I trademarked it. Trademark. 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 So trademark. if you cast, if you cast any works. of those women, I get a cut. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. In fact, you should be getting in touch with our agents right now. <laughs> uh-huh. How does one get in touch with Michelle Fiverr's agent? Because I, I think it's worth a Google. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. Angela Bassett too. Yeah. Any of them. Yeah. I am ready. It's going to be great. That is great. Yeah. You were, when reading it, told me that it was amazing. Yes. So. And again, you know, it's one of those that is, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. There's mystery to it. You need that. And it, I think it actually, I read it after I was in sort of a book hole too, and it mm-hmm. helped me get out. I like that. So there you go. Wonderful. Mm. Well, uh, my pick this week for fiction pick is called All That's Left Unsaid by Tracy Leanne. And this was released in um, August 2022. It's a debut novel by this writer. Um, It starts out, Key is out on her own, starting out her life as a reporter. And we quickly, quickly learn she's the daughter of Vietnamese refugees who moved to Sydney, Australia during the, like, at the end, to get escape from the Vietnam War. Uh-huh. And she has one brother, uh, Denny, who is still in high school. But she kind of branched out. She wanted to be a reporter. She left home. She kind of just felt stifled by everything there, right? Like, I just can't live in the same pattern. I have to do something different. And But in that process, because of some of her upbringing, she kind of has this desperate need to be, like, prove her worth all the time, to kind of re-vet herself as an adult. She's in that weird struggle period where, like, you are an adult, but you also still feel very tied to family responsibility and those old patterns. So... And that's also partially because she grew up in this very sheltered world in Sydney, Australia, in uh... <laughs> <laughs> you're right there. Oh, I see you spelled out a pronunciation and you're tripping up on it, aren't you? <laughs> in Just Cabramana. The look on your face of oh shit. I it did, did so it good. work. The pronunciation is in all caps, uh huh, and you still couldn't do it. I still couldn't do it. I, Mike, and I just had this conversation this week. (laughs) I literally, there is a short circuit in my brain when it comes to pronunciations. Like I have to spell it out phonetically. But you did it already once. I know, and it worked. But now this second one, it's mm -mm, not working. mm -mm. And that was the easier one for me. Do you want to try it again? (laughs) (laughs) Cabramata. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Bruh. Mata. And this is a town in Australia. It is a okay. suburb in Australia. Okay. That was a refugee enclave. Like oh, that's wow. where they all went from. So they had a lot of like familiar things in that area. Okay. Okay. So, but that was also very stifling because yeah. even though you are in this other place, they weren't really accepted by the rest of Australia. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of problems in this area. It ended up being like the epicenter of the heroin epidemic. Oh, and boy. Add to that a lot of disinterested cops who never took the time to learn the culture. And you have just this kind of violent enclave. So there was this desperation for these parents who wanted their kids to succeed, but also felt very protective and scared. Mm -hmm. So her parents call and say, should we let your brother Denny go out after this big high school gathering? He's getting ready to graduate. Like, should we let him go to this? It doesn't feel... I, you know, they're scared. And she's like, oh, my gosh, he's a senior. Like, he's going to go to college. It's fine. Like, Denny's so good. He never gets in trouble. She's a little bit frustrated. And she's like, absolutely, let him go. So even though there's like this very, there's these reasons not to, she feels like they're being overprotective. So what happens after that, and this ends up, you find this out right away, is that these are words that she's going to forever regret because Denny ends up brutally murdered (sighs) in a community restaurant that night. And there are no answers. She goes home for the funeral and she realizes that maybe her parents weren't told everything because either they're refugees or they didn't understand it or whatever. But it doesn't seem like anybody's working on it. She she realizes really quickly that unless she gets involved, there's going to be no answers. Oh my and so she decides that that's absolutely what she's going to do. She's going to try and put these reporter skills to use. She's going to dig in. Um, so she's going to the police station. And because they're somewhat indifferent and they're overwhelmed – the police officer kind of feels bad and gives her 
information that he maybe wouldn't normally give out. Uh So she kind of has a start and she starts kind of going down this, her leads list. Now, this is not a typical like quote unquote crime novel in the sense like she's terrible at it. Like she's too close to it, right? It's her brother. Yeah. And she's interviewing people. She ends up having to go back to like people that she went to high school with, old teachers. She has this best friend that she hasn't seen for years because they had a falling out and she might be involved and she doesn't know how or why. And in the middle of all this, she's dealing with her parents' grief and how to help them through it and trying to have language for when everything's changed, but everybody's treating each other the same. So to me, this is, there is a mystery kind of murder component, but it's really very much less about that and more about like learning how to grow in your old relationships and learning how to be new when you have all these old patterns with people and how do you, how do you change? How do you be different? So I really thought that it was a beautifully written debut novel. I mean, to be this complex and nuanced and have this whole other story, I thought was really well done. But I really picked it this week because it deals with so many endings. We're talking about high school ending. We're talking about the end of kind of your innocent part of your childhood, of being an adult, of relationship ending, maybe not even because someone's gone, but because you're a different person. Something's changed you. And how do you reform relationships? And to me, that's a lot of what's scary about endings is like, how do you how do you all fit together again afterwards? I mean, even as simple as the book thing, like that's part of it, right? You've had this like crazy, awesome experience with a book. Like, how do I move on? Mm-hmm. How do I honor that, but still move on? And I, I feel like they, what I like about the book is there's not any definite answers, but there are answers too, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I really, really, really liked it. I thought it was beautifully written. It's touching. It's sad. Um, but it's propulsive because you, you want to find out what's going on. Um, there's a lot of heartbreak in it, but there's also a lot of hope. And I, I just, it'll be interesting to see what she does next because wow. I really enjoyed it. So, Do you know if she herself grew up in Sydney? Um, I think, so. oh, gosh, I read an article about her too. Yes, I believe that she did, but she, she lives in um, um, the United States now. Mm, mm. I want to say, I was trying to think what publication she normally writes for. I just ask because it sounds like a very interesting sort of look at a community that you may yes. not get a look at otherwise. No, you know, no. you, you don't see it, it in media. We don't, yeah. Like the details and mm-hmm. yeah, it was very interesting. And she has some really interesting characters. Like I'm always fascinated by authors being able to write in like side characters that aren't necessarily like central to the plot. Like yeah. we don't, we might only see them for a chapter, but they tell you so much about kind of the culture and what's going on. And she does that really well because she's interviewing these other people. Hmm. So you might see them for a snippet and then you kind of move on. Yeah. It's interesting. It, it, it's actually very interesting too, because my next pick has a lot in common oh. with what you were talking about in terms of like refugee community. Yeah. Um, so my other genre pick is called what is home mum? And it's by Saba Khan. Uh, It's a graphic memoir, Mm. and it came out this year. And this is such a personal story, but it's one that fills this, like, massive, huge story of immigration, refugeedom, diaspora. So Saba grows up in East London in an area that's filled with British Pakistanis like her and her family. Mm. And many of them in that area, that community, and throughout the UK have come there from a rural area in Kashmir. And... After partition in the 19, excuse me, 1947 between India and Pakistan, um, there was a dam that was built in this rural community. Mm -hmm. And that whole area became completely transformed, untenable, like they couldn't farm anymore. They couldn't do anything that they had been used to. So entire communities were displaced and had to migrate. So that's the story of her family. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens. That is what has happened to her parents and to all these other people in this community so she's growing up in the aftermath of that and trying to figure out like where is home is it east london is it Kashmir? is it pakistan like what do we call as home and as a byproduct like who is she herself and it's interesting because she grows up and she calls herself sort of the good girl of this large family Mm -hmm. because she's the one who comforts her mother she doesn't cause problems while her older siblings are sort of chafing at the rules and chafing at this you know clash of traditions and Mm -hmm. london versus pakistan and 
Uh, so she takes on this massive burden of being that good girl. Yeah. Um, of being the girl that her parents want. But also, she's never going to live up to that. Like, you're never going to live up to, especially if you deny your needs, deny, like, who you are. Right. Just to try and, you know, sort of fill the place of your siblings, especially. It's never going to be enough. Right. And yeah, it's exactly. not enough. Yeah. Um, especially because they're not in Pakistan. They're in London. This is not the life her parents wanted mm-hmm. at all. Um, so over time, you know, she's, like I said, she's a good girl, but she starts asking more questions, partly as she gets to know more people outside the community, like other religions, other races. So she starts wondering, like, why does her mother depend on her so much? Right. And why do they predact, why do they practice some of the traditions that they do? Why does she wear a hijab? So over the book, she's telling stories of her family, both back in Kashmir and here in the UK, of her upbringing, of her questioning of elements of her faith and tradition, um, of sort of reckoning with race and gender, and so much more. And there's this fascinating level of India and Pakistan history that I didn't know a lot about. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting because right now there's a major anniversary marking that partition that Mm -hmm. I didn't know about either. Um, So... There's that level, but there's also this very rich personal story of a young woman trying to find herself in this Mm -hmm. weird and impossible world. And I chose it for this theme because I think her family is haunted by the end of their life in Pakistan. They they can't get past that ending because it's not an ending that they chose. Mm -hmm. They were forced to migrate and find a decent life in London, but it's never going to be home. So they can't get past that. And that ripples so much throughout their family, throughout uh, the present throughout the future and it's such a fascinating look at I think what we're calling more and more like intergenerational trauma you know mm-hmm. passing down the the hurts and the pain that you yourself have received mm-hmm. um, and the impact of like major world events on individuals and so much more so it's it's huge stuff but it's also so so personal yeah. and unique and really beautiful story oh wow that has to be very powerful in a graphic novel form. Absolutely. Or and the memoir, way, yeah, yeah. And the way that she draws it, um, there's a simplicity to it, but there's mm-hmm. also like a kind of ornateness. And I don't yeah. quite know how to to yeah. say that, but, you know, and especially when she's getting into some of the history, it's, it's a really cool method that she's chosen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, my other genre pick this week is a... I'm going to throw you a curveball. Oh. It's a collection of poetry. What? I know. I know. How many times have we talked about poetry on this podcast? Have we ever chosen a Is this a first? I think you have before. Have I? Yeah. I'm almost positive. Sure. Sure. I did. Yeah. Like, uh, oh gosh, I can, I can see his face, but I can't think of his name. Anyway. It was great. Whatever it was. Yeah, it was. It was wonderful. (laughs) So memorable and so good. Well, and it's just weird for me because I'll be honest, when we're talking about book holes, I have started throwing in some collections of poetry and I'm starting to be a little bit more like I'm starting to understand what I like about certain poetry and what I don't like about other stuff. And I'm I'm just starting out and I'll be perfectly honest. It's kind of like, you know, a reader starting out. You want things that are more accessible. Yeah. Um, But I'm I'm like I'm finding like, oh, I liked this author. And then I kind of move on into other ones. But this book that I'm going to recommend, this collection, it came out in November 2020. It's called Homebody by Rupi Kaur. Mm. And you might know her Mm -hmm. from Milk and Honey. And then she did like a graphic um, follow up to Milk and Honey that like pictures and she's got an- another new book out now that's like a kind of a self-help journal type exercise. But this is a collection of poetry. I just kind of ventured into it. I actually read the other ones as well. I This one just spoke to me. I found it to be my favorite. Um, I think it's beautifully written with some very tough themes, which is mm. something that I think poetry often does right is like there's so much more to be said but saying it succinctly is is an interesting exercise and I think maybe that's at first what bothered me about poetry was like I've always felt like there was more to say but then the more that I get into it sometimes you're like actually that's the perfect amount to Hmm. say about that so it's this whole book is kind of a journey through her past and into the present it kind of tells you kind of some things she went through but it really focuses on like growth and change but kind of with this idea of endings, like when something ends and we change, how do we refit into our life? Or mm. how do we be okay with a life that looks different, that maybe has a, a piece missing now or something? And she illustrates some of her own poetry as well, which I always find fascinating. Them together is always something. So 
there's a couple lines, a couple little poems that I put in here that I thought were that I just loved. Um, like one of them is depression is silent. You never hear it coming. And suddenly it's the loudest voice in your head. Yikes. Right. You're right. This is one of those situations where that's the perfect amount to say. Yeah. And that's it. This one. I have never known anything more quietly loud than anxiety. Ugh. Right? Just like gut punch. Just the use of quietly loud. Quietly loud. That's really cool. Yeah. And then there, uh, this one, if you tried and didn't end up where you wanted to go, that's still progress. Okay. <laughs> it is. Shit. Like, <laughs> you know, I just, there, and so much of her, Damn. that's what I, I think gripped me in right away is they were accessible, but there's so much in there. Yeah. And you know that she's talking about specific things, but you can feel it differently because it, it hits something specific to you. And it, it's just a very shared experience. So I have been using poetry collections. It takes me longer to read because yeah. it's not a form I read a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I've been reading them in between or just a few here and there of ones that I like. And I, I'm starting to really appreciate it for the ability to put words together in a way that is so succinct and 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 simple sometimes, but so says so much. Mm-hmm. You know, we have whole novels that are are dedicated to you know the to feelings that feeling. of anxiety. Yeah, but to explain it that simply is wow. yeah something else. So I'm telling you, if you are not a confident poetry reader, mm-hmm. I think she's a wonderful place to start. This is a wonderful place to start. I'm not saying that because it's it's all feel good. It's not really. There's yeah. a lot about deep, dark feelings, how you deal with those. But it's so relatable and moving that I feel like even if you're not, if you haven't previously loved poetry, it could be a place that would make you feel like, okay, I can get into this. Which I think is sometimes the mistake, right, with reading is that we don't start in as, at an accessible point. Yeah, absolutely. We start at whatever point's presented and that's not always the right fit. That's such a good point because we've talked previously about how people can be put off of reading by being given the canon in high school. Like mm-hmm. all these really like inaccessible books mm-hmm. that are hard for anyone to get into, let alone teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, we've been able to transcend that with fiction and nonfiction and other things. But poetry, I think some of that is still where I am in my mind. 100%. Right? Because mm-hmm. the poetry that I read in high school and college mm-hmm. was first very old. So it was talking to different times and different mm-hmm. ways of expression. So I never quite found a way into it. You yes. Know? Yeah. yeah. I had a couple really tough poetry classes in college. Yeah. I think that just turned me off. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, 1700s, like colonials right. and poetry. Right. Ugh. And part of it is we didn't have the cultural references to understand a lot of it too. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Absolutely. But like anything else, if you don't get something that's that you can understand the entry point, it's just sort of shut off totally. Yes. Yeah. And that's also kind of why I picked it because it is about endings, but it's also kind of about like to me, it's kind of a, a an ending is a great way to grow and change. Like yeah. it's, this is kind of a new like here's another new form to try mm-hmm. um, that I didn't I, I don't want it to be inaccessible to me, but I also am not going to enjoy it if I can't if I don't feel something yeah. I feel like I can enjoy it and so I've, I've been trying it's been something that's I've been wanting to do like in my reading life mm-hmm. and but I think that that you're ex- exactly hit it on the head it's got to be something that you that you understand yeah. or can can understand because otherwise what's the point what's like, the point it's not going to speak to you in the way that it might be able to speak to you I, and that's yeah. where that highbrow literature I was just thinking about that yes goes, the know? sort of elitist like canon yeah. stuff mm-hmm. like if you don't get you know William Blake well then yeah. you don't blah, read poetry blah blah blah, blah, yeah. blah right yeah. Okay. Which is another thing. It felt like most of the poetry we read were from white dudes. Yeah. So that was a whole other thing and that also, we didn't I get. And I don't feel like they had the best command of poetry. No. Because <laughs> then I do remember taking a class in college on the Harlem Renaissance mm-hmm. and reading some poetry, I think, from Gwendolyn Brooks. Yeah. And that, like, felt visceral and real. And I was like, ooh, it's this poetry? Yeah. Like, this I could get into, you uh-huh. know? Whereas, you know just odes to an urn or whatever yeah i'm out no No. i know no i 
have such a distinct memory of this poetry class and it was awful it was all white dudes yeah the poetry, it was terrible it was like stanzas and lines yes. and lines to say one thing and I was like this is not oh. and I remember one of the exercises was we had to like write a poem and the, I remember I can even picture how she appeared but this woman wrote a poem and volunteered to read it and I remember I can still remember the poem because I remember thinking that was better than anything we read all and Whoa. it was and it was it was I don't even know what they call them but they're the poems you know where it goes with the letters go with the word like it's spelled out marriage oh okay but it's, I and, see what you're saying and yeah. the poem yeah, yeah, yeah. was maybe a ring isn't really isn't all a girl expects okay one yeah very impressive that you remember that but two, I can see why you remember. Yeah, that. it's that's a, wonderful. I know, and I was like, "That's it. That's we poetry." Be studying her. Why are we <laughs> studying this guy? It's awful. But that's like that. You know, it is. It, it's the highbrow, lowbrow mm-hmm. bullshit that we always rail against with books, with you know, yes. fiction and nonfiction. Mm-hmm. So it should apply to poetry as well. Yeah. Well done for bringing that. Trying something for different. Dismantling yes. some of that highbrow, yes. lowbrow. Yes. I wonder if there's a beach reads poetry. Probably. Section. Shel Silverstein. <laughs> Marie Sendak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly. That poetry I can get into. Yeah. And I'm not knocking those because I, like no. I like both of them. So Absolutely. I'm not it's just, yeah, it's, I think it's something that we've, we made inaccessible and maybe yeah. shouldn't be as much as it is. It does remind me of a conversation with Matthew Kaye where he was like, anyone yes. can be a poet. And that felt like a, yeah, like what? Almost a revolutionary thing to say too. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, what? It doesn't yeah. have to be regimented and yeah, iambic I'm, pentameter and that's the right? other thing right they yeah. teach you this formula and immediately i was like you took my wonderful world of books and put yeah. math in it what, what are you doing why are we why? counting why why <laughs> syllables no are you trying to ruin books for and me no i can't tell you if there was any specific form in any of these poems i just no. enjoyed it See? that's wonderful that's the difference and it, it's kind of like, you know, visual art. Like yes. there's, it, if a certain piece speaks to you, then there's something in it that speaks to mm-hmm. you. And that's all you need to worry about in right. my mind. And same thing with a poem. Yep. Exactly. And even if someone says, you know, that painting is beautiful and you, it elicits nothing with you. Yeah. Then great. Fine. Ignore great. it. You love it. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Fantastic. That's what you should put up in your home is the things that speak to you, not the things you find on signs right. yeah. at stores, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Not the same things that you might find anywhere like else. In the background of, you know, a set on a yeah, TV show. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for giving us another toolbox in there our ways out of book hole. Yeah. Who knew this episode would turn into emerging from a book hole? That should almost be. I mean, if there was a song, that should almost be the title. Emerging from your book hole as a beautiful butterfly. Like what? Do you think that song is... Um, a rock song or like an orchestral song or like a country song? I think it's, yeah, I don't think it has words. Oh. I think it's just an instrumental. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a buildup. Yeah. Oh, just, I like it. Boom. Bursting out of the book. Wow. Yeah, that's how I picture it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, great. I've got another thing that will help you out of a show hole. Oh, show If you're hole. in a show hole. Oh, you know it. I've got a show. From Apple TV Plus. Okay, it's okay. called Bad Sisters. Yes, I mentioned this to you yes. and Haley and Maggie the other day. Yes. So John. You are pa- real people. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that we were. Yeah. We, we weren't sure if they were real people. We, well, well, Haley always are. said was real. But Maggie yeah. for some Ma- reason. Maggie got, for some reason. We were like. She got put into an imaginary world. I mean it's it's true. She is almost too good to be true. That's So fair. That's, that's why. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I like that. But she is real. She, she is, is. She is real. Don't. Don't tell me she's not real. She's real. She's real. All right. So is John Paul or JP. JP. Except. John Paul or JP is dead when the show opens. Shit, JP. JP is the guy named JP. (laughs) I know, right? But they call him that. JP. (sighs) JP is the husband of Grace, Mm -hmm. and Grace is one of five sisters. Okay. And at the funeral for JP, you Mm -hmm. see that the sisters aren't very upset by the death of JP. Yeah. And pretty quickly, we flash to six months earlier at Christmas, 
And we see a little bit of JP and his dickish behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, He is Mm self-righteous. He's just kind of an asshole in all the family interactions. You can see him sort of pitting people against Mm -hmm. each other. And the next day, he manipulates his wife and doesn't allow her to hang out with her sisters at this annual tradition that they do every year at the end of the day after Christmas. All of these sisters, by the way, lost their uh, parents at a pretty young age. And so the oldest sister, um, who is played... God, I just completely forgot her name. And she's wonderful. It'll come to me. Yeah, it's fine. She's the oldest. She's been sort of a surrogate parent. So these sisters are very tight as a result. And this is an annual tradition, and he gets in the way of it. Oh, no. So the rest of the sisters are sort of talking about JP, and they're really honestly worried. Like, he just keeps tearing Grace down. They think she is getting smaller and smaller, personality-wise, even physically-wise. Like, she used to be fun. She used to be happy, and now she just seems worn down. And then one of them says, maybe we should just kill him. Yeah, you should. And so for the rest of the episodes, you see a few things. (laughs) That's the right reaction, by the way. That one right there. You see a few things over the rest of the episodes. One is JP and his terrible, repulsive behavior. Mm. More and more depth to it every episode so that over the course of the season, you find yourself absolutely wanting him to die. Okay, okay. You also, over that time, see the sisters as they try to kill him in a few botched attempts. Because they are not assassins. Mm. They are not, Mm -hmm. you know, the ladies from the museum. Right. These are just women that are trying to protect their sister and not doing a they're not being able to kill very well. Right. Because right. they haven't done that before. Right, right. Okay. Also, that storyline in the present, after JP's funeral, you see two brothers who have taken over their father's insurance company and they get JP's claim. If they have to pay out JP's claim, it's going to bankrupt them. Oh, no. So one of the brothers has decided he's going to play detective and find out what really happened. He is sure that there is some malfeasance at play, he's going to find it. How much he's really sure about that versus just we cannot go bankrupt is is what's going on. So one by one, he's questioning the sisters in the present while the other brother starts dating one of the sisters. Oh, no. So we've got murder, which might be vengeance and protection. We've got sisterly love. We've got this wild and twisty story that goes in all these really interesting directions. It's super darkly funny. Like, this is black comedy. It sounds amazing. I'm already in. Yeah, but it's also really heartfelt, too. Like, there's a real level of connection. There's a real level of... You understand wanting to protect and to, you know, to do this. So it's a bit of everything, and it's one guy that is just one of the worst characters you've ever seen in your life, which is kind of gratifying in the end. It is gratifying. And for this... I chose it for this scene because it's ending an asshole's life. Done. And it might that might be the beginning for other things. Mm. So there's endings, there's beginnings, there's all of it. I love brought it. together, and I think it's either eight or ten episodes, each one about an hour long. I believe it's a limited series, so there's no, no future more. stuff, yeah. and it ends wonderfully. Oh, so okay, I I'm highly in. recommend. That sounds amazing. Also realized something about myself, which is that I'm apparently down for murder immediately. Yeah, you are. You didn't even have to say like it, it gets worse. I was already there. I was like, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's kill which him. Which is, I guess, good for my good good friends to know. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, that if there is a guy that does us rotten, Aaron is in. I'm in. She is in. I'm in. Yeah, why not? I mean, is that part of our relationship services? Is murder for hire? I don't think we want to advertise. We don't want to do that. I think that's going to have to be a very special circumstance. Yeah. Because here's the thing. I'm in, but I'm also like, you're going to have to like convince me enough to get up that to do all that work. Right. Right. That's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I'm tired a lot. Tired. I don't go. I don't go out to the bar. I also feel like murdering probably takes place in the darker hours. And I I sleep a lot. We've already established this. We can't do closing times at two or five a.m. We can't do it. No. So the the death's gonna have to occur. Like I'm going the latest, like nine forty-five. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pushing it. Let's go. I'm gonna have to have a good afternoon. Let's do a midday murder. That's way better because then we can take a nap afterwards because we've exhausted ourselves from the murder. We just have to be careful because bright light of day. Just the bright light of day. The bright light of day. But mm-hmm. hey, you know, we are used to hiding indoors because of our translucent yeah, skin. So we can make true. this work. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Good to know where you stand on murder. I am. I'm here for it. Ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I am going to recommend a podcast. Oh. It's called, it's a new podcast. Okay. It's got three episodes out now. I've listened to all of them. It's called If Books Could Kill. 
And yeah, it's with Michael Hobbs, which you might recognize from Maintenance Phase. And he was previously a co-host on You're Wrong About. And Peter Shamsheree, who hosts a podcast about the Supreme Court called Five to Four, which I also love because I'm a nerd. And they just break down (laughs) monumental Supreme Court cases and why the vote fell the way that it did. So it's also like a lot about why it sucks and why it's not really serving America that well. But he's a very intelligent lawyer. Okay. So this is the base. So the whole basis of the podcast is that they take books that were like super popular, that like took like a phenomenon, you know, like we usually see that with diet books, like South Beach Diet, something like that. They take books that are popular and they put the moniker on them that they were made popular by airports because usually those books are like really popular and then they get front and center billing. And they're usually marketed in a certain way, right? To uh-huh. appeal to the masses. Um, and because of that, they, these types of books often escape deep scrutiny. Yeah. Like, should this be a book that everyone should yeah. be paying attention to? And it might actually influence thought process without a lot of deep scrutiny. So Ooh. right away I was in, right? Yeah. And then the first episode, and this is, I'm not going to lie to you listeners, I owe all, you, all of you an apology. Oh. Because the first book they did was Freakonomics. And Which you recommended in the past. I did recommend. And I listened to the whole thing and I agreed with everything they said. And the more I thought about it, I was like, how did that escape me? And then I thought, because I read Freakonomics when it was when marketed was that when it. everybody yeah. marketed it. Full disclosure, I didn't reread it before I recommended it because I just remembered the reading yeah. experience. Yeah. And there's some deeply racist stuff at oh, the no. end. Yeah. That oh, I was no. like, wow, when you look at it through that lens, it's terrible. Now, I feel like 2022 Aaron would pick up that book and if be you had like, read it. Yeah. yeah sure. Would be like, ouch, that's. I would not have recommended it probably, yeah. but remembering the reading experience and yeah. being kind of, and, and they really do a good job in the podcast of breaking that down and explaining why, like people got wrapped up in it and then we're just kind of like, oh yeah, that makes sense wow. and moved on. Um, and they do that. The second book that they do is a Malcolm Gladwell book. Oh, uh, The Outliers. The one? Outliers, oh. the one with the 10,000 yeah, hours yeah, yeah. it takes to be yeah. an expert that kind of break that down. What I love about both of them is they're, if you know either of them, they are research heavy. Like they don't come in and just give opinions. Like they research the the, uh, works that these people cite in their books. They research the studies that they talk about. Like they really go into a deep dive to understand where they got this information and they break down why it's bullshit. Wow. And it is great. So it was Freakonomics, um, Malcolm Gladwell, and the last one was called by David Brooks called Bobos in Paradise. I'm not super familiar mm. with him, but he's apparently was very popular at one time, and this book was. Um, and it is it's so entertaining. It's informative, but it's also super common sense the way they break it down. And what I like about it is that they do say, like, some parts of this make sense, or there's some parts of this that are good, but... Maybe not good, but could be an interesting book if written differently. But then they also break down, like, how did this happen? Like, how collectively did we just buy this and believe it? That's so, so fascinating. It is. It's just so that process in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. And to have the very first episode be a book that I myself <laughs> enjoyed and then look at and go, oh my gosh, you know, that's a totally different thing. But it's true at the time when it came out, yeah. everyone was into it. Same with the Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. I'm really intrigued to see what they talk about next. I am too. There could be so many options. Yeah. And they're both, they have a very dry sense of humor. Uh-huh. So it's it's not going to be like laugh out loud, like I'm dying. But it's just really interesting. I love the way that they do it. It brings up a lot of really interesting points. I think it's something that we're missing a lot, which is a lot of media literacy. It's a lot of understanding when someone gives you a fact where that comes from and how to understand whether or not that's true, mm-hmm. which I think we have, a unfortunately, a big gap in our understanding of that right now so i I i'm fascinated i love the idea of it as a podcast it was so interesting um and like i said sorry maybe just don't read that book (laughs) (laughs) like i feel bad that i supported it now you know i mean that is a risk that we took on when we started this podcast Mm -hmm. is the fact that each book that we recommend came from a moment in time yeah and as we know moments in time we reflect on them in the future yeah. And we may go, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. The things that we believed yeah. or the things that we liked or the things that we read. Yes. Good Lord. Right. Exactly. So mm-hmm. don't be too hard on yourself. I'm trying not to be. Okay. But yeah, it was it was a moment that I had in the car when I was like, dear God. So listen, if you've been, you know, queuing all of our picks, you can remove that one from your queue. Cue, <gasps> one it. less book to one read. One less book to Boom. read. Exactly. And listen. This is nothing that I want more for the world than be able to make mistakes and just say, shit, I made a mistake. That was bad. Imagine that. And just didn't own it. 
Yeah. I didn't double down. <laughs> I didn't say that I'm in bed with Stephen Levitt and that I'll never not take his, you know, we do that all the time where we're just like, or no, you it's go, great. You didn't go on the attack and attack the hosts yeah, of the podcast. Say, well, how dummies. dare they? Yeah. What a dumb idea. Yeah. No, it's great. And they're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So there you go. See, the malleability of the human mind. Yeah. We can learn and grow. Beautiful thing. Yeah. We can apologize. Who knew that Aaron in 2005 would be different from 2022, Aaron? What's that shocking? Yeah. What? 17 years. Come on. Come Look on. Look at that. Yeah. Crazy. Were you out of college at that point? I was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Fresh. You're fresh out of college. Pretty fresh. We don't yeah. know what the Couple fuck we're fresh. doing yeah, fresh out of college. Know. Good Lord. Yeah. What yeah. was I even doing with that book? I don't even. I probably got it at an airport. You probably did. What? Or because everyone was reading it. Yeah. And because I was like, oh, uh, uh, interesting way to get into economics. That sounds smart. Mm-hmm. Just. Probably how they got a lot of people to buy that book. That's probably true. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you nowadays, you have a very keen interest in, like, finance Mm -hmm. and money and budgeting and all of the things. Mm -hmm. So it totally makes sense why it appealed to you. Mm -hmm. And I imagine it appealed to a lot of people who that may be confusing, you know? Right, yeah. And to try and, like, clear it Mm -hmm. up. So that sucks that then there was racism. And I think that there's a – we understand the natural inclination or are intrigued by – contradictions right like these two things are true like i think the mystery part of my brain the choose your own adventure part of my brain loves to find out that this weird thing's related to this weird thing like this sales of this item went down because you know this weird product from another country yeah yeah became way more expensive and no one knew it like Mm -hmm. i love finding out about interrelated things like that and that's all that book was it just turns out that some of the things that they related maybe didn't need to be related okay yeah interesting maybe they didn't hook the right things together huh Mm -hmm. well i mean everyone you know we have uh biases that we're taught at an early age absolutely and some of us get past them and some of us don't Mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. obviously we're totally fine now and we're perfect and we'll never yeah no i'll never mess up again but i did this time (laughs) i did this time (laughs) that is your promise to the Uh audience never again Uh No but more if mistakes. I, do, I will come and say, I'm yeah, sorry. Just don't read that one. Yeah, you will. Yeah. Yeah. You'll own your mistakes. Oh. Mm-hmm. So like if we do a murder for hire, well, we won't own that mistake. Cause that's not a mistake. I never what did that. What are we talking about? I never did it. No. What are you talking about? Good Lord. Well, that does not sound like something I would do. <laughs> <laughs> and then the court pulls out all of our episodes. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, clearly it was a joke. <laughs> Obviously. You I wouldn't say it humor? that much if I was really an what? assassin. Don't you would understand I bring it? Up? it? Would I be like, hey, I murder people if I really murdered people? Right. No. I'd be like, I'm scared of murder. No. <laughs> Come on. Come on now. I don't know if we'd like that, Aaron, that goes, I'm no. scared Ooh, of murder. Murder. Ooh. No. Gross. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Everything that just happened right there, I hate. Yeah. Don't no. do that. See? Yeah. No. Give me a murder. <laughs> <laughs> also, by the way, so... Your uh, son and your husband came over this week to fix a couple things for Uh me, which was very lovely. And at one point, they had to go down into the basement, and there was a new guy that was with Zach. So everyone was playing up the, let's go into the murder basement, because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what I always refer to it. And I think by the time the new guy got down there, he's like, "This is what? why is this a murder basement? And then I remembered, we started calling it that when I first moved in, and there was just nothing. It was just hard concrete floors and lots of shadows and bone dust. And now I've put down, like, carpet tiles and shelves, and it looks a little more like, you know. But I still call it the murder basement also with that also started because of original podcast fiona that's true who constantly tried to lure me yeah down she there. was trying to murder you she Which was trying we know to know she didn't like me so yeah. it wasn't for anything good no it wasn't like she was gonna give me a hey we're best friends award <laughs> she was gonna murder me and she was gonna murder yeah you. she thought the best way to do it was for me to tumble to my death uh-huh onto a concrete floor not a bad plan not a gr- yeah that's why that's i never got near the door when she was there you knew better i knew better yeah not a bad plan but yeah i've taken a lot of flack from zach about that 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 is not a murder basement oh he see is, he didn't see it in the early days mm-hmm. it was definitely also, a murder when it's basement. not your life being threatened i don't th- i think you see it as less have serious you, have your has your life ever been threatened by a cat zach you don't know no you don't know you don't know and nowadays, the ghost of Fiona, I am convinced, is communicating to the current podcast. So there's still a threat of murder. Oh, I, th- I see it. I see yeah. it. I think the, the amount of time is the only spend... one. Yeah, I feel entirely comfortable because yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. she no. cares enough. No, the boy cats spend an inordinate amount of time in the basement. So I am convinced they're communing with Fiona. Mm-hmm. I think so. And mm-hmm. patching plans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hey, just, you know, 
Come up with the plans, but don't execute them. Don't execute them. Yeah. No, the planning's the fun part. Exactly. Yeah. We all it's know It's never going to go out the way you want it to. That's so. the whole point of the planner industry. Planning's <laughs> the fun part. Doing the work, not so much. Just keep ruminating on the best ways to murder. Yeah. That's all exactly. you need to do. Yeah. You do that. And in the meantime. Yeah. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Yeah. It's closing time for this episode. It is. But not for us. Not for us. <laughs> no. <laughs> Curtain's not going down on us, just on this specific episode. Just on this episode, that's right. In the meantime, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Cause their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.